Oh, somebody praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands all across the building and let's talk to God. Hallelujah. I feel him. Somebody just begin to talk to him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's lift up our voice and let's talk to Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more time, give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody give God a shout of victory. Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on, on a Wednesday night, anybody got a shout in them? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord here tonight. It's good to see everybody here worshiping God together on a Wednesday night. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Hallelujah. And as was previously stated, we have uh, all church outreach this Upcoming Saturday after men's prayer at 11 o'clock, we'd love for everybody to come. I'm a big believer, in, and uh, next time we, we go, we're going to talk about next, uh, probably next Wednesday, we'll talk about evangelism, uh, and we'll go into detail on that, uh, some good pointers, do's, don'ts, all of those good things. Um, but I'm a big believer uh, in, in hour-long outreach, hallelujah, and, uh, and the only way that, that we can be the most effective is if more people show up for outreach. And so I don't want to take up your whole day, uh, but I do want us to get some of these flyers out. Now, we did put some in the back. Uh, if you can hand out a handful of them, a stack, uh, go ahead, take them, hand them out. Um, we're, when, when, when this summer and this warm weather coming out, we're going to start uh, ramping up our evangelism. And, uh, and, and I know some people say, well, I don't like knocking doors. Well, that's okay. Uh, in the future, I'm going to make sure I get you a nice little door hanger. Hallelujah. And uh, when, we do, when we do personal evangelism, that's when you go to the coffee shop day in and day out. You talk to them, get to know them, get their name, uh, and, and, and you get a relationship built and you invite them. But when we talk about doing a blitz like we're talking about on Sunday, uh, that's advertising. And what we want to do is make as many positive contacts as possible and really just to get our name out there to our uh, our surrounding area, and it's going to be a good time. So if we have some of these in the back, if you want to grab a little stack of these and through the week, if you want to hand them out to some of the people you know and some of the people you work with, uh, I'm believing God for great things this Sunday in Jesus' name. Anybody excited about Easter Sunday? Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. And then also we've got one more announcement. It's going to be not this upcoming Saturday, but the following Saturday. Uh, at 11 a.m., there's going to be a ladies' day, and so all of you ladies keep that in mind, and there will be more information to follow uh, for that. Hallelujah. Somebody said praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 in verse number 6. Good to have all of our visitors in the house of God here today. Amen. We'd love for you to come back and join us on Sunday at 1.30, and uh, it's going to be a good time. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6, the Bible says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. 
And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. And I want to teach you us for a few moments on excellence in giving. Excellence in giving. Would you set your Bibles down and let's lift up our hands and let's pray all across the building. Come on, somebody pray. We're going to have a good time here tonight. God's going to help us. God's going to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for your presence that we already feel. Pray that it would go with us here today, speaking to every heart and every mind, every life. In Jesus' wonderful name, somebody said amen. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him God bless you, and you can be seated. Hallelujah. We are going to continue on with our teaching. Now, I apologize for all of those that were there last week. I did go a little bit long, but we were talking about a really fun and important subject that uh, is not often addressed in the church realm, and so I wanted to do my best to bless somebody with that. And if you weren't able to be there or if you've missed any services, I want to give you a little plug uh, that you can go onto our website and you can listen uh, onto our website or you can on our SoundCloud or on your app or on your phone or whatever the case may be. You can listen to any teaching, uh, any preaching. Uh, if something just stuck out to you or you want to go back and review, you definitely can go back and do that. It's a great opportunity uh, for those that weren't able to be there for the church to get in one mind and one accord and really have all things common. And somebody said amen. So today I want to I want to teach a little bit, and I will be uh, mindful of our time. Uh, but I, as as going through this excellent series, God really deposited several of these in my heart, and so uh, I'm not teaching on this for any particular reason, other than the fact that it's right in order uh, with what God gave to me a couple months ago. Uh, so I want to start by talking about giving, but I want to take our text and I want to look at what that is saying. Uh, it, it, it is talking about every man giving as he purposed in his heart, not begrudgingly or grudgingly or of necessity. So what God is not looking for is those that will be givers. And when I talk about giving, I want to set the preface. Uh, a lot of biblical giving will refer to money, and that's what we talked about last week, which is finance. Uh, but you can translate giving to your time, your energy, your money, your life. Uh, you can translate giving to God and everything I'm talking about to just about any one of those categories. So uh, this is really, when we talk about giving, we can go a whole lot deeper. Uh, and when we talk about individuals' lives and giving their life to God. And so uh, even talking about don't give your life begrudgingly to God. Uh, or a, a, out of necessity or I had to. Okay. And so what he's saying is, when we talk about giving, this is not something we are to do out of necessity or out of just duty or I had to or they twisted my arm or somebody forced me. I want you to know that when we talk about giving of time, energy, money, your life, nobody's forcing you to do anything. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Nobody's twisting your arm and saying you got to live for God. 
Nobody's twisting your arm and saying you got to give your energy or your time or your money or your talents to God. Nobody is going to put a gun to your head and tell you you got to live for God. It is something that God is looking for you to give willingly. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. There has to be a willingness and there has to be a generosity that comes along with the type of giving that God loves. God loves, the Bible says, a cheerful giver. That word can be translated out to a hilarious giver. It is a happily willing, generous giver. And if you want God to love your gift, whether it's your time, your energy, your money, your life, your sacrifice, it's got to be done in a happily willing, generous nature. And somebody said amen. Giving is our duty. The Bible lets us know if we can pull up Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 3. But when thou doest thine alms, or when thou givest, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. I love how Jesus words this. This is right in the same category when he talks about fasting, when he talks about prayer, and he talks about giving. But in this, he says, when. You might notice that giving is a question of when. It is not a question of if. When Jesus looks at his church and he looks down the road and he sees a church here in Carson City, he's saying when you give, not if you give. It is, it is not something that is optional. God sees it as something that the church will do as part of their nature. As quickly as we will fast and as quickly as we will believe in prayer, Jesus is looking at us and saying when you give. It's got to be the type of giving, he says, that you don't do it. Uh, as the hypocrites, waving your gift around and letting everybody know how much or what you've done. And, and, and there's some people that that's the only way they'll give is if everybody knows what they're giving. It's the only way they'll give their time is if everybody appreciates their time. But I've come to let you know that in the kingdom of God, often you do not get all of the appreciation that you deserve. <laughs> I hope somebody here tonight, whether it's time, energy, money, sacrifice, you put your thing there. Uh, not all of that will be appreciated. And I know that it's in the human nature that when we give, we want somebody to notice how much we have invested and how much we have given. There's people that have invested their time and they want to be recognized at their job for the amount of service that they have provided. But you don't always get a pat on the back in life. Amen. Uh, I'll just let you know, for those that are aspiring to do anything in the kingdom of God, not everybody says thank you. You won't always get that. So what Jesus is saying, when you give, don't, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. He's saying don't let it be known. In other words, you've got to have the kind of hand in life that is a generous hand, not the hand that is looking uh, to get recognition, not the hand that is looking to, to be noticed. When you give to God, when you give in life, when you give your time, your energy, when you give your future, you are not looking for somebody to come by and congratulate you. You're not even looking to give yourself a high five. You're not looking for your left hand to know what your right hand is doing. You are doing it as unto God, and if nobody else sees it, so be it. We're talking about giving. Amen. We're talking about giving. 
I, I want you to notice what Jesus is saying. When you give, you shouldn't even realize what you're doing. It shouldn't be something that is calculated, something that has that you have figured out and you have you have you have gone through and done all of the all of the, the calculations and well, you know, because here's the deal. Let me just let me just slow down for a moment. When you give and you start calculating out how much time, how much energy, how much money, how much of your life, you you fall into the trap of feeling as if you have either A, not received back enough appreciation that you deserve, or you'll start looking and, and you'll start weighing in the balances of whether it's worth it. And there's a lot of times the Bible says in our opening text that if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap also bountifully. And if you're the kind of individual that when it comes to giving your time, your energy, your money, your life, your sacrifice, uh, your talents, your gifts, if you're the kind of person that likes to have a ledger, there's going to come a day where you're going to start feeling like you are wasting your time wasting your energy, wasting your money. And Jesus is saying that if you're going to be a giver in my kingdom, you got to make sure you're not calculating. You don't have a le- you don't have a ledger that is that is w- watching things because when you sow, you don't always see the benefits until later. Jesus is saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Because you give as unto the as unto your father which is in secret, and your father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So you do it as unto God, and everything you do, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I sure try to be real good about saying thank you to people, but I'm not the best at it. I will admit, I am not the best at giving out awards and saying, man, thank you so-and-so for X, Y, and Z. But the benefit of the people that don't have a ledger is they weren't doing it for me anyways. They weren't doing it for the person next to them. They were doing it as unto the Lord. And God, which sees everything. See, God has perfect records. You don't have to keep record because God does. You don't have to worry about, well, man, I gave my time and I put so much investment into, into the kingdom of God and into the church and, and I, I invested all my energy and I just don't see the return happening yet. And, and there's a lot of people that get burned out right there, but God is looking down from heaven saying, I've got perfect records. I never forget. I, 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 don't, I don't have memory problems. God doesn't have amnesia. Everything you give into the hand of God, God always remembers. And if you sow sparingly, he knows you're going to reap sparingly. But if you're the kind of individual where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, and you're just giving. You're just giving. In other words, my left hand has no idea what's going on because my right hand's so busy giving. It, it, it can't keep a ledger because I'm so busy. It's an open hand, and it's presenting, and it's giving. Hallelujah. So... Giving in God's economy, whether we're talking about time, energy, money, your life, sacrifice, so on and so forth, it is a question of when, not if, and it is a generous hand. It is an open hand. It is a hand that is not keeping record. It is not doing it for recognition. It is doing it as unto the Lord. Amen. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8. We're going to see that giving is our duty. And obviously in this context, he's talking about offerings and, and tithing. He's talking about money on this one. Will a man rob God? Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Yet you have robbed me, and, and, and you say, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And this is what he says. You, not your money, not your fields, no, no. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, I don't want to get anybody negative here tonight. We're going to talk about this very positively, but we do have to read the Bible for what it says. And if this is God speaking to his people, he's saying, you're cursed. 
Why? Because you robbed me. You didn't rob the church. You didn't rob anybody else. You didn't rob your neighbor. You robbed God. And, and he said, you robbed me. He said, now bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I just want to stop here for a moment. This is the only portion of Scripture God will ever say, prove me. Don't prove him in miracles, signs, wonders. Uh, in fact, you go and say, God, I'll, there's a lot of people, I was atheist. I'll believe in you, God, if you perform a miracle right in front of me. In other words, I'll believe if. And God doesn't work that way. God says these signs shall follow them that believe. In other words, if you have faith, if you believe, you will see miracles. Amen. So God's not going to prove it to anybody. He's not going to prove it to Richard Dawkins. He's not going to prove it to any other atheist of saying, well, if we can just see a notable miracle, we will believe in God. God will not show up. God will not prove himself. God will not do anything. But he said in this area, you can test me and you can prove me herewith, say the Lord. And he's saying in your tithes and in your offerings, in your giving, in your giving, you can prove God. And how is he going to prove himself? He says, this is how I'm going to prove myself. I will open up the window of heaven. Anybody remember in the Bible when the windows of heaven were opened? Okay, Genesis, when God opened up the windows of heaven and there was a flood that descended on the earth and it filled all the earth and everything, it couldn't even, couldn't even withhold the water that fell down from heaven. And the only people that survived were Noah and his family in the ark and all the animals they brought on there with them. And so what God's saying is, just like I did in Noah's day with water, I will so flood you with blessings that you, uh, somebody ought to shout right there, I will so flood you with blessings, there will not be room enough to receive it. Anybody want to be blessed by God? Anybody want that kind of blessing where you got, you got, you're, you're, you're like, uh, sorry, I'm dating myself, but there was this, uh, there was a Darkwing Duck or uh, a character, he used to dive into a, a pile of gold and I'm talking about the kind of blessings that God can provide on your life, that there's not even room enough to receive it. You, you, you got so much blessing. Now, let me help somebody, uh, and, and I want to talk about this for a moment. Not all blessings are material. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap also sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap also bountifully. But the Bible says that we will reap where we did not sow. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And there is something about that, that when we give, God gives us back things that we don't even have room to receive. That doesn't always come back. You, you don't just hand $10 in and get $10 million back. That's not how that works. But sometimes you invest in the kingdom of God with your time, your energy, your money, your talents. And you give unto the Lord. And God brings your family into, into the salvation. Amen. Sometimes, and, and i gotta, I got to rescue the church from, from, from thinking prosperity is materialism. Amen. I do believe that you should be blessed. I believe it ought to be visible. I think God ought to bless people to the face. And we talked about that last week, that there's nothing wrong with being blessed. But we've got to rescue prosperity from materialism. It doesn't mean you're going to have a jet, but it could be that you've invested so much of your time, your energy, and money. You've become an excellent giver in every area of your life. And God says, I'm going to bless you with that new job. And it could be. I'm going to bless you when you're sick and you have, you have all the doctors say there's no way. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to heal you. What the doctors could not do, God says, I'll do. Your family could be lost and on drugs, and God can say, because of your sacrifice. Amen. 
That's what I'm talking about when we say God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Not all blessings are material. Sometimes they are, though. Don't be shocked when God blesses you with a new car because you've been faithful. There shall not be enough room to receive it. I love this part right here. Let's keep going. And I will rebuke. Let's go to the, I think it's the next verse. Okay, there we go, 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Oh, my goodness, right here. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed. You'll be so blessed, everybody around you just knows. You are blessed. Hallelujah. For you shall be delights in a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Can I help somebody? If you don't give, God says you are cursed. But I want to help somebody. He says that if you do give your tithes and your offerings, again, these are not mutually exclusive. You can't just pay your tithes and think I'm going to be blessed. You just did the bare minimums. You just gave God what was his. But you go above and beyond and you give your offering as well. And I love this. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Hmm. Anybody ever felt like, like we talked about last week, money grows wings and flies away? Sometimes it feels like there's, there's just locusts and caterpillars just eating away at your wallet. Yeah. I felt that way before. I remember looking at my wife. We, were, we, we had just, been, we just got married. We were traveling the country. Our, our trailer had fallen in a ditch, and everything was going wrong. And uh, we traveled... 3,000 miles across the country, and I never knew how to drive a truck and a trailer, but I sure learned real quick how not to drive a truck and a trailer. I never learned how to do it, but but I remember after after a while, we'd been faithful, and listen, I, I evangelized, and I never stopped giving my tithes and my offerings. I was living off of peanuts at points, but I never stopped giving God what was His, ever. Okay, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I remember being in this position and literally having to quote this verse to my wife and saying, I believe God more than what I feel right now. I believe in God more than what I'm experiencing right now. And I had to look at her and say, you know what? I had to look at my wife, my new wife, and tell her, we are broke. We are po. We can't afford the O or the R. We're so bored. We're so broke we can't afford to pay attention or spend the night. We, we are so poor. And I had to look at her and say, I don't know. We're just not going to be able to do X, Y, or Z for a couple of years. I'm just being real with some folks. I know nobody else has ever lived there. But I remember driving in that truck that, that took about seven miles to the gallon diesel. Hallelujah for anybody that's ever had something like that. And I felt like, man, it probably that was the devourer right there, seeing everything away. But I just looked at my wife. I said, you know what? I'm going to quote the Bible. We're driving down the road. And I said, God, you said if I give my tithes and my offerings and I put it in your storehouse and I've never ceased to do it, I've always put it there, I've never, I've never missed this lesson since the moment it was taught to me. And I said, God, will you open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing I don't have room to receive? And I said, Lord, I need you to right now rebuke the devourer. Am I telling the truth? you got to rebuke the devourer for my sake. Because I am not cursed. I am blessed. And I, want, I don't want the devil to have an advantage and say, you're cursed. And God has forsaken you. And God has let you down. And we drove that night. We ended up in a place. And I, I don't have time to tell all the testimony. But let me tell you, it didn't take but three to four hours. And all of a sudden, God started turning things around. 
all of a sudden I had I, I had somebody walk up to me and hand me several hundred dollars and I, I my wife got several hundred dollars put in her hands and we didn't know what to do with it I, I'm telling you about the blessing you don't have room enough to receive and it didn't come because of any other thing than the fact that you were faithful hallelujah because God says if you don't give your curse but if you do you will be blessed somebody said amen Exodus 30 and 15. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about this for just a moment. This is talking about the offering for the upkeep of the temple. This is what we call the temple offering. And, and, and the Bible says that the rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than a half a shekel when they shall give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. In other words, uh, not everything can be equal in giving, but everybody can be equal in sacrifice. And, and lest somebody say, well, if we were to say, well, we got to pay these bills and all these things going on in the church, and somebody says, well, I'll just take care of all the bills, and everybody else would say amen. But the problem with that is that that person would be the owner, have ownership in the church more than you and I. That's why we believe in the, t the temple offering where everybody gives a percentage. We teach around here 5%. The reason we do that is we don't have a half shekel. But everybody can give a percentage. And everybody is just as invested in the kingdom of God moving forward as the next person. So, with that being said, everybody has ownership in the church. And the benefit of that is as that grows, God's ability to bless us with the next facility grows. If that stays the same, we've got to stay where we are. But I believe there's a whole group of people that don't want to stay where we are. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 1. 16 and 1. There we go. We're getting there here in a moment. Thank you very much. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. In other words, we can look at this and find that, that it is biblical to take an offering. Hallelujah. Some people say, well, we don't need to do that. It's biblical to take an offering. In fact, it is an act of worship. It is an act of of worship. I used to see the offering plate going around when I first got saved and I thought, "Man, this is this is antiquated." But later I realized that this is my opportunity to worship God in my finances. And and so that is an act of worship. Let me talk about this for a moment. When we talk about giving as a duty, it is our duty. It is our duty to give biblically speaking. However, giving should never be something that is done just solely based on duty. Cain's offering, the Bible lets us know, was not accepted by God. It was not accepted for a few reasons. First, it was not a sacrifice of blood, and God required blood. Secondly, it was from the cursed ground. God said, cursed be the ground for your sake. And God cursed the very ground and said, Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to bring forth fruits. And so, in other words, Cain brought something that was from the cursed ground and from his sweat of his brow or his hard work. And, and, and I got to talk about some theology for a moment. That is literally what it's talking about when it says we are not saved by works lest any man should boast. And it's just like he talked about on Sunday by the grace of God. Hallelujah. It's not based on the sweat of our brow or our hard work. But he brought this fruit of the ground. But finally, the last reason it was not received 
is because he did not bring the first fruits. The Bible says Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock, but, but Cain just brought the fruit of the ground. In other words, Cain brought what was left, not what was right. He gave out of duty. He gave out of obligation, but he did not do it biblically. He was not doing it as a cheerful giver. This was just duty to him. It was just what he had to. God does not bless a nasty spirit about giving. You would be better off keeping your giving, keeping your time, keeping your energy, keeping your money than to do it with a nasty attitude or to do it the wrong way. And somebody said amen. God blesses and God loves a cheerful giver. God blesses an excellent spirit about giving. Abel had an understanding in a revelation that God is looking for the first tenth, not looking for the last tenth. There is something known as the first fruits in the Bible. Can I help somebody when we talk about excellence in giving? God is not waiting for you to give to him after you paid all your other bills. God is not looking to be third or fourth or fifth in your life. God is saying, I want to be the very first in your life. Can I help somebody? I don't want to just throw this to the side. Let me help somebody. Your time, your energy, your money, your talents, everything. God is not looking to be second place in anybody's life. I'm going to help somebody. I didn't come really to preach, but let me preach for a moment. God is not looking for you to go off and get your degree and then 40 years later decide to serve him. God's not waiting for you to come with the last part of your life. No. God is saying, I want the best of your life. I want the first of your life. Oh, somebody praise him. Lift up your hands. God's saying, I want a cheerful giver that says, I'll give you my time, my talents, my energy, my life, my future. I'll give it all, and I'm not waiting until I've spent some. I'll give it right there up front. I'll give you the first. I'll give you the best, not what's left over. Oh, somebody praise him. Oh, come on, let's pray for just a moment. That's for somebody here tonight. God's not waiting for you to spend most of your life. He's saying, give me your life now. God is looking for the first fruits in people's life. When we talk about excellence in giving, don't go and give to everything else. Don't, and again, I, I don't want to have to keep prefacing this, but I will because some people, when we talk about giving, all they can think about is dollar signs. Don't give your best to your job and then come to church and give him half a hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know, I know that's how some people think. They think, well, I've got to do it for the man, and I've got to do it for a paycheck. But then they come to church, and they look like they sucked on a lemon for six months. And there's others that look like they haven't slept for six months. And I understand it. We all get tired, and things happen. But if you can give your best at your job, you ought to come into the kingdom and say, God, I'm not giving you what's left over. I'm not about to give my brains, my brawn. I'm not about to give my talents, and I'm not about to give all my money away to everything else in this world and then show up and give God just what's left over. No, I want God to bless what I give. So I give God the first, and I give God the best because that is excellence in giving. 2 Samuel chapter 24. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Samuel 24 and 21. Can't pronounce his name, but we'll keep going. The Bible says, Wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord. Skipping down, and he said unto David, 
Let the Lord, the king, take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for a burnt sacrifice, and the threshing instruments and the other instruments of the oxen for wood. And all these things did Aharana as, the, as a king give unto the king. And he said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto him, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of, of silver. I want to help somebody when we talk about this. We're going to talk about, yes, it's our duty to give, but don't give just out of duty. But let me talk about giving sacrificially. David was given an opportunity to come and to get this threshing floor for free. He was given the opportunity to get all of the instruments for sacrifice for free. He was offered to even get the bull that he was to sacrifice for free. But this worshiper that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, he said, I will not give to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. David refused to give God something that didn't cost him something. And we have got to be just like that. I don't want to give anything to God of my time, of my energy, of my money, of my life, of that which costs me nothing. I want to be like David. I've got to have a sacrificial spirit. David said, I want this. And he said, why do you want it? He said, I want to build the church. I want to build an altar. And can I help somebody? We've got to be those that own our altar. Mm, hallelujah. I don't want to borrow my altar. I don't want somebody else owning my altar and paying for my altar and paying for the church. I want to have ownership. I want to sacrifice to the place where I've got some ownership in this kingdom. I want to help somebody. We cannot allow the spirit of this age that says, let everybody else do it for me. Let everybody else sacrifice for me. Let everybody else pay the price for me so that I can come and get the benefits. So everybody else can do the work, but I can receive the benefits. That's not excellence in giving. In fact, that's called uh, excellence in taking. Hallelujah. But we've got to be those that say, God, I want to be an owner of what you have given to me. I want to have some ownership in this altar and in this church. I don't want everybody else to open the doors and shake hands. I want some ownership in this thing. I don't want everybody else doing all the singing and all the giving and all, all of the everything else. I want to have some ownership in this church. I want to sacrifice. And if there's ever been a message to this generation, it's that right there. I refuse to be a part of a generation that just takes, inherits, gets, acquires. A generation that feels entitled to everything. I know that's what's said about this generation. But it's not true with everybody in this generation. I don't want to inherit altars that I, I didn't pay for, I didn't build. I don't want to inherit a kingdom that I did not, I did not invest in. Hallelujah. I want to have some ownership in this thing. And that's exactly what David was saying. I will not give to God something that does not cost me. I've got to have some sacrifice. If there's ever been a message to this generation, that's one right there. 
this generation, we've got to get some sacrifice in our blood. Hallelujah. All the older folks said amen. I don't want to wait for the previous generation to pay for this thing. I don't want to wait for everybody else to have given and sacrificed and made it work and I myself sit back and reap the benefits but do not purchase it. And that's exactly what was offered to David. And he said, don't worry, David. God will accept you as just being a recipient of the blessing of this altar and of this threshing floor. But David had it up in his mind. I want to be excellent in giving. I want to purchase. I don't want to rent. I don't want to borrow. I want to be somebody that has ownership because I gave sacrificially. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Hallelujah. Come on. I know I came to teach, but, but I feel that right there in the Holy Ghost for somebody. I want to I have ownership in this. I want to have some, I want to sacrifice to the place where I know that's my altar, that's my church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll turn to Mark chapter 12 and verse number 41. Hallelujah. I would hate to go to church and feel like it's somebody else's church. It's everybody else's church but mine because I've not invested. I've not sacrificed. My wife and I made it up in our minds we're going to come here and we're going to reap from, from land that we didn't, we didn't till and, and we're going to live in houses we didn't build, but I refuse to not build another house and I refuse to not till some other land. I refuse to not have some ownership in this. I refuse to not have some blood of my own in this and some sacrifice of my own in this. And so we made it up in our mind. We will not come and give to the Lord that which costeth nothing. I want to tell somebody, when you talk about being a living sacrifice, that means that you're going to feel it. Sacrifice goes beyond the obligatory. It goes to the level where we feel it. It, 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 it hurts at moments, but we know it's right. Bible says this, and Jesus sat over against the treasury in the church and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. God doesn't care. Hallelujah. God doesn't care about giving. Doesn't really, doesn't really make a difference to him. In, in three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, in 33 and a half years of his life on earth, Jesus took a day out to sit by the treasury of the church. I want that to sink in. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. That would be the equivalent of, I think, about 20 or $30. And he called unto his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, and I'm sure the disciples were ready for him to say, Wow, look at how much the rich gave. He said this instead, that this poor widow has cast in more than all they which is cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her, of, of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Can I help somebody with this? We're talking about excellence in giving. Jesus sees you give. Time, energy, money. He sees what everybody gives, and he looks at it, and he watches, and there are those that will only give out of their abundance. And what does that mean? They will not feel what they give. But this lady, he watched the sacrifice. He saw the amounts. He saw the percentages. And he looked at that woman and said she gave more than them all because she gave not 
of her abundance, but she gave sacrificially. That woman felt that giving more than anybody else that day. And can I help somebody that doesn't think anybody notices when you feel your giving? I want you to know that God watches and God sees that you can feel it because God sees sacrifice. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah, we're almost done. But I want somebody to pray right now. God is saying, can you go beyond just your abundance where you don't feel it? Can you go to the next level? It's not just duty. It's not just abundance. But it's sacrificial in giving. You go above and beyond. There does come a moment. And if you've never experienced this, I I actually feel sorry for you. Because there's some blessings that come along with sacrificial giving. When you know that this is crazy what I'm about to do. Anybody ever been there? This is crazy what I'm about to do. And you take not of your abundance that you will not feel, but you take of your wants and you take of the very thing. Maybe I'm not going to eat cheeseburgers all week and maybe I'm going to have to cut back on this and I'm going to feel it in another area of my life. Uh, but I take that and say, Lord, this is this is something that is of my want. I want to buy this. I want to go there. I want to do that and I want to do this. But I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it and present it before the Lord. And I'm going to take and give of my want. And I'm going to give of my very living. And there's a blessing that comes along with it. And God watches. I want somebody to realize that there is a part of dutiful giving. Where it's out of our abundance is just what God's blessed us with. But there's another level. And that's called sacrificial giving. When we give, we don't just give until it hurts. We give until it feels good. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. Let's move on into the next. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 24 and 19. Sacrificial giving is excellent giving. Hallelujah. Genesis 24 and 19. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. Rebecca was an excellent giver. She gave until he was full. And then she said, I'm going to give until all your camels are full. I'm going to give until I am running out of energy. I will give until we are running out of water. I will give until there's fullness. Hallelujah. Some people give until it hurts. You need to give until there's fullness in your life. You need to give until there is sustenance in somebody else's life. Hallelujah. Exodus 36 and 5. We talk about giving out of duty, and that's good, and that's, that's one level. But then we can talk about giving sacrificially. You give, when, you give until you feel it. But I want to talk about giving generously. Genesis, Exodus chapter 36 and 5, the Bible says, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work. How, how awesome would that be right there? There's coming a day, ARC, where that's going to be said. The people have given more than enough. Hallelujah. And Moses gave commandment, I'm skipping down, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. When generosity gets a hold of God's people, there will be too much for the work, not too little. There will not be just enough. 
the spirit of generosity hits the church, and it is the spirit that says there is more than enough. Hallelujah. When a spirit of generosity hits God's church and God's people, I want you to notice that there is more than enough for God's work and God's kingdom. And I'm believing there's going to come a day where there will be more than enough, and we've got to start restraining people. How would you feel if I had to tell Brother Machado, next time somebody tries to get that offering plate, you slap their hand down? That's exact. They had to restrain people. These people were so excited to be, hey, this is where some people have lost it. These people were so excited to get up out of Egypt and get out of the world. They were, they were ready to give. They realized freely I have received, freely give. This was not my own. I am bought with a price. And they took everything that they had got from their past wages in Egypt, and they started giving. And Moses had to command every woman, let me tell the ladies, and every man, every child, he had to say, stop. That's excellence in giving. There will come a day, and I'm believing it's going to happen. We're going to have to tell people, please, stop giving so much time to the church. You're wearing us out. Please stop giving so much money to the church. You're wearing the, the tellers of the bank out. Please stop giving so much of your talent. Could you, just, could you just pause for a moment? I'm telling you that when the church gets a spirit of generosity, there will be more than enough. Amen. There's going to come a moment. Amen. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's go to Acts chapter 4 and verse 34. Spirit of generosity is going to break the spirit of, of this area. I've been praying, and God spoke to me well before I ever came here when I was just evangelizing that one of the spirits we are facing in this area is greed. And we are going to break that. I said, we're, I'll prophesy, we are going to break that. If no other church in the area breaks that, we'll break it. If you don't want to break it, I'll break it. I got enough of a stiff neck and a hard head. I'll break through it myself. But I believe there's other people that are tired of the spirits of this area controlling. Did you know we live in the capital of Nevada? They say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The real truth is what happens in Vegas starts in Carson. You know that if we can break the spirit in Carson City, we can shut Vegas down. I don't really believe that, preacher. The world's going to get more wicked. Yeah, the world might get more wicked, but how about a revival first? How about we have such a spirit of generosity? We shut down every casino. We shut down every brothel, every bunny ranch. We have such a spirit of revival in ARC. We start shutting down all the dens of iniquity, every bar. I'm talking about real revival. People start coming out of the bars, out of the clubs. They start coming out of the casinos where they spend all their living. Uh, I'm telling you, when people say, I'll give my living to God instead of giving it to this world, we're going to break that spirit. Oh, somebody shout. Somebody shout. We're going to break that spirit. It's Wednesday night, I'm teaching about giving, but let me just tell somebody, the Bible says in the book of Acts uh, that they had made their living off of selling little tiny silver statues uh, to the princess uh, or the, uh, toward, towards Diana, the goddess, uh, and they had such revival, they started burning books, uh, and they started burning statues, uh, and those people that once had a job were now out of work, uh, and they were going out of business, uh, cannot preach to the church, uh, if we get a spirit of generosity, we can shut down every den of iniquity where they're making their living 
They make their living robbing people, but we're going to make this church thing work by giving. We're going to give until everybody's got sufficient. We're going to give until everybody's got more than enough. We're going to give until there's a revival that shuts down every bar, every club. Oh, I'm shouting right now. I've come to let you know on a Wednesday night, you're talking to a preacher that believes we can have the kind of revival that shuts down GSR, that shuts down Atlantis, that shuts down the Golden Nugget. We're going to have the kind of revival that shuts down Vegas, shuts down every show. Come on, somebody, shuts down the bunny ranches because we got revival in the house of God. Oh, somebody shout with me. Somebody shout with me. We're going to have that kind of revival. We're going to have that kind of revival. We're going to break the spirits of Nevada in Jesus' name. Somebody shout. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. Somebody just dance for a moment. Somebody just shout for a moment. I'm talking about that kind of revival. That kind of revival. And this is how we break it. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and glorify him. Oh, come on, let's pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know you didn't come to hear that on a Wednesday night, but it's true nonetheless. Hallelujah, somebody pray. Somebody worship him. Somebody glorify him. You know what? I am crazy enough to believe that can happen. I am crazy enough to know and to believe we can shut down a casino and use that for our church building. Oh, all right. I'll believe by myself. I am crazy enough to believe that we can shut down every brothel in the state of Nevada and start setting the captive free and those that are broken and those that are in prison. I do believe we can start emptying out our prisons. I do. I'll believe by myself, but I do believe we can have that kind of revival. Every drug addict can start getting delivered. For all you doom and gloom preachers that are just holding on to beans and rice until Jesus comes back, let me tell you about outreach. Outreach is the kind of thing we're going to have around here, and that's what we're putting our funds towards because we got to win this world. I'm not just holding on until Jesus comes. I'm not waiting until one glad morning. I'll fly away. i got work to do down here. i got a city to reach down here. i got a region to reach down here. Y'all... Y'all did this to me. Hallelujah. How does it happen? How do we break the spirit? How do we have revival? Some people think revival is going to grow on trees. Just like they think money grows on trees. How are we going to buy a building? Well, God's going to drop one out of the sky. And if he does, it might land on you. So be careful. No. It's going to take generosity. It's going to take not dutiful giving. It's not even going to take sacrificial giving. It's going to take a spirit of generosity. That's why, that's why there's only been one or two churches in the entire region that have ever built a building or bought a building because that spirit so locked people down. They can't move forward, that they can't expand, that they can't grow, that they can't own. They'll rent forever. No, I've come to tell the church there's coming a day that we're going to break that spirit. And we will be the church that doesn't just own a church in Carson. We own one in Reno. We own one in Sparks. We own one in Gardnerville and Minden and Fallon. We own one up on Tahoe where they say you can't because it's too expensive. No, we're going to have that kind of revival. But it comes when the church breaks through with a spirit of generosity. Oh, somebody worship him. 
Let's stand all across the building and worship God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've just come to insert some faith into some people that have lost it. I've come to insert some faith. It's breaking already. It's breaking already. I didn't come to patty cake with the spirit of Nevada. I came to break it. Acts 4.34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. I'm telling you, when spirit of generosity hits the church, nobody has to lack. For as many as were possessors of lands, uh, plural, or houses, plural, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. I'll tell you about this. Go to verse 35 if you can. Spirit of generosity, we're talking about excellency giving. And laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Yeah, I do believe that giving, it, when we get to the place where we don't need to pay bills and we've got more than enough and we've got buildings and we've got things rocking and things moving, I do believe there's coming a day where we're going to have distribution start coming through the church where people are going to be broke and destitute. There's going to be people that are homeless. There's going to be people that are trying to get off drugs. We're going to have a men's home, a ladies' home, a youth center. We're going to have a shelter. Call me crazy, but we're going to do it. But it only comes when people get a spirit of generosity. And this generosity thing, it doesn't stay in the church, bro. It goes outside the church. It's not just talking about on Sunday when the offering plate comes by. No, it says when you see your brother or sister, they're saying, I'm, I'm needing something. We find that need and we fulfill that need. It's a spirit of generosity. The first century church. We're talking about to be continued this year in our teaching. The first century church got a spirit of generosity. And nobody lacked. Because there was abundance. Well, preacher, if I give generously, I might lack. Prove God. If I help brother so-and-so out, I might lack. Prove God. If I help the church get to the next level, I might lack. Prove God. Because giving generously leads to abundance, not lack. Well, what if I give all my time and I don't have any time left for me? It always leads to abundance. It never leads to lack. What if I give all of my energy and I feel worn out and tired because I gave everything I had to God? It always leads to abundance, not to lack. What if I give all the money I can to make this thing work and to break the spirits of greed in this area and I feel like I don't have enough? It always leads to abundance. It never leads to lack. And I've come to tell you, maybe you were taught something different in the Bible, but the first century church did not lack. God blessed them. God favored them. And he wants to do the same right here. Lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done preaching, preaching, teaching. Somebody needs to pray right now. 
Come on, somebody needs to pray. What if I give God my life and I give him my future and I just I just don't see how things are going to work out the way I saw them working out? What if, what if, what if you do it anyways and you will not lack? Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on. The reason you lack right now is because you've been withholding. You've been withholding your time. You've been withholding your talents. You've been withholding your energy. You've been withholding your life. You've been withholding your future. You've been withholding your money. You've been withholding everything you know belongs to God. And he's saying, bring it to me. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? I'm talking about excellence and giving. You fill in the blank there with whatever you needed to hear tonight. Whatever it is, God, you can have my time. You can have my talents. You can have my energy. You can have my years, my future, my life. You can have my gifts and my abilities. You can have my money. You can have whatever. I want to be generous with my giving. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. More than enough, more than enough, more than enough. They shall not lack, they shall not lack. Come on, in the name of Jesus, somebody pray. Come on, give your life to God. That's the best place to start with generosity. I give you my life, I give you myself. I may not have a lot, but I give you what I have. Come on, we have a revival on Wednesday night. Everything I give to nothing. Come on, lay your life in his hands. You shall not lack. Give him your gifts, your talents, your abilities. You will Yes, I will give you my talents, and yes, I will be blessed for it, and I will not 